The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, the Friday food fight. The SEC sends a shot across Silicon Valley's bow and the star, the, the zany, almost, Starwood deal. This is Money Beat. Everything you need to know about money and the markets and then some. Now, financial food fight. Welcome to the food fight. Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser here with John Carney, Telus Demos, and from Boston, Chuck Jaffe. Gentlemen, how are we all doing today? Fantastic. We're we great. Are, oh yeah, all right. This is going to be uh, this is be an interesting one. Uh, Grosser, it was not. It was your suggestion to talk about Starwood. You are going to have to carry this one. This is what we were just, we were just talking about this off the off 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 the uh, the mic there, folks. Grosser, this is your the problem. The, pro- the problem is you just suggest something as a possibility, and you know you just run with it. Well, buddy, you're going to have to run with it. You want to talk about? Well, this I, one? I thought we were talking about the SEC. We are talking. Yeah, the SEC. That was yeah. Carney's uh, brilliant idea. All right. I mean, like we have two people who actually have written about this now. So why don't we talk about that? Let's see how you know you're you're capable of switching tact here. I'm not capable of switching tact. That's the problem. Uh, I need a lot of preparation and a lot of time because I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, I'm not. You're really, old. I'm not really that. I'm old and I'm not that smart. <laughs> it's, it's, We've it's noticed. A, trust me. What? What, Chuck? We've noticed. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Poorly held secret. Uh, I am not that smart. All right. So, uh, look, a lot of stuff happened Can we this talk about week. your conference room gaffe earlier? Oh, God. <laughs> sure. You want to tell that story? Gaffe. We got a little time. You want to tell it? Go ahead, Gaff. Sorry. Go ahead. I, to show everybody what, what a big man, I put the show in front of my own <laughs> stupid vanity. Go ahead, Grozer. Tell the mother's conference room story. <laughs> Good. They'll like it. Our readers. He, he tried to reserve the lactation room at the Wall Street Journal for a conference. <laughs> he thought it was but a room called that, Mothers. Yeah. He, he he confidently told us. He's like, and I know why it's called Mothers because there was this famous bar in Jersey City across the street from the old Dow Jones Newswire offices no. <laughs> that we used to always hang in. So that's why they called it Mothers. No, that was Markers. Oh, Markers. Mothers. Okay. Any loyal son of Northern New Jersey who was raised in the eighties. When they see mothers, they know exactly what we're talking about. That was about. a dramatically yes, shrinking group. Any loyal son of northern New Jersey raised in the 80s, it's like that's... I'm in that group. I, I am in that group, so. You you are? There, yeah, yeah, Chuck. Yeah. Chuck, you know mothers, right? Yep. In Wayne? Yep. Right. So anyhow, there's a conference room called Mother's Conference Room, and I think to myself, oh, somebody from uh, from Jersey must have named it, and they named it Mother's. So I say out loud in the newsroom, I'm like, hey, where's the Mother's Conference Room? And they all kind of start laughing. And I say, you know, I know I'm being a real smart guy, right? Like I, and, and, and Benoit, is, he's, he says, Paul, no, no, no. And he comes over to me. He's like, it's a lactation room, you idiot. You know, he didn't say you idiot, but he meant you idiot. Everyone's laughing at me, Chuck. Everyone's laughing. Mo- if I heard mothers, wouldn't you think mothers the cut the bar? No. <laughs> this is, all right. but this is what ha- hashtag all male podcast. Yeah, right. Looking for what it might be beyond what it actually is. Yeah, but all right, all knowing, right. knowing Dow Jones and and that we are very sensitive to a lot of different issues. No, I would have thought that the mothers' conference room was a mothers' conference. Yeah, room. Not well, a, not yeah. a Wayne, New Jersey kind of. Conference room. <laughs> All right. Uh, so now that we've established I'm not particularly intelligent, let's talk about somebody who is a little bit 
smarter than me, uh, John Carney. Uh, SEC this week, striking out at Silicon Valley. This is interesting. Washington versus California. Uh, yeah. Um, Batman versus Superman. Mary Jo Mary versus... Jo White uh, went yeah. out to Stanford University and gave a speech um, in which she, you know, uh, as uh, Tellus wrote, you know, that she fired a warning shot at Silicon Valley saying, like, you guys have to be a lot more attentive about your governance because securities laws apply to you. She specifically referenced uh, Section 10B, which is the anti-fraud provision. And uh, you can go to jail for violating uh, Section 10B. This is a, you know, uh, and there's a mythology in Silicon Valley that people don't that that they're somehow immune to these securities laws, uh, particularly for companies that aren't publicly traded. Right, right. You That's also you also yeah. quoted you know or you pulled out the quote that she references, Mary Jo White reference from the, the Nick Bilton um, story in Vanity Fair about a CEO essentially being like we're valued at a billion because we're valued at a billion. Right. He said he he said he uh, created his valuation in order to attract top engineers to his company. Right. It's, uh, it's, 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 well, uh, it's almost like a marketing tool. It's but, not even right. a real thing. It's a marketing yeah. tool. Yeah. But, but let's let's be clear. She's not. Uh, her concern wasn't specifically that companies in Silicon Valley are overvalued. Right. right. The SEC doesn't doesn't appear to want to be in the business of telling people what companies are worth. What she specifically said was that the information that these companies give to their investors must be as good as well. Must at least approach the standards of which public companies give information to their investors. And frankly, I, I think what she said yesterday was pretty profound and a very expansive understanding of sort of what the markets are. Because she references, she says, look, the way we're used to thinking about it is, is that if you're a private company and you have private investors, caveat emptor, you're sophisticated, right? These are, these are you, any, any old Joe can't buy into these companies. You have to be at least an accredited investor, if not even meet a higher standard. So you're on your own. You've got the resources to do the diligence and figure this out for yourself. We're not going to really pay nearly as much attention to whether or not you're being um, sort of taken advantage of. Now, you know, fraud, she makes clear to say that nothing should be fraudulent. But even beyond that, I think that she outlined this understanding of the where the private markets and the public markets all sort of exist in the same ecosystem to basically read all of the things that we care about in the public markets into the private markets. And she outlines a couple of things. For example, she says that the valuations of private companies affect secondary transactions right. in those companies and other companies that retail investors are increasingly involved in. There are derivatives markets that sell notes and things to what is basically a retail audience. So, I mean, she... And a lot of, a lot of employees yeah. are paid employees. In options. And if you aren't giving them the right information about how to value your company, yep. uh, you're, you're, and, you're committing... And the SEC also already recognizes a difference between employees and non-employees because it says that you can have only... You can have up to 2,000 private shareholders, but only 500 non-accredited private shareholders. So already they say that, like, there are people that need to be protected who are invested in private companies. So, I mean, Major White is really expansively, you know, kind of growing the the, the, the SEC's focus on private well, companies. Let's get Chuck yeah, in here. Let's you've get got, Chuck You've in. got to take a look at this from a context of this is not a new situation. 
we're just seeing different ways to have it applied. Go back to look at something like Garrett Van Wagner from the Van Wagner funds, which were, you know, he ran a different fund company, opened up his own shop, had billions of dollars in overnight, and started investing in private placements. And functionally, what people don't know about mutual funds is that if they have private placements, it's usually the manager who says what that private placement is worth. Mm-hmm. They have a committee or what have you, and they may have a matrix for it, but functionally, they kind of hold it on the, on the books as a, standy, as a steady day-to-day value unless there's a reason to change it. So let's go back to this billion dollar because we wanted to hire the engineers. Mm-hmm. If the fund manager happens to drink that Kool-Aid and invest in that company and he invests as if it's worth a billion dollars and his shares are worth X relative to that billion dollars, he just holds it there. When there comes a day of reckoning that, like, oh, now we actually have to value to real life, you can watch that fund take massive swings because it has to revalue the shares. And so ultimately, as they're using these valuations, you can see it. It's happened in a couple of cases. Van Wagner would be one. Kevin Landis from the first-hand funds would be another. And any fund that's looking at private placements, this affects them directly. Interestingly, she didn't actually talk about I, – I, she, she didn't make a big – deal out of that. And I thought that that's one thing that she would have talked about, because when 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 the journal has covered the question of where all these, um, you know, the fidelities and T-Rows who are invested in a lot of these private companies are marking these positions, we've talked about how the SEC is looking at how they market. She didn't really address that, which surprised me. I think she was very directly trying to address the people running on the boards of these startups and saying, you need to get your governance act in order because you because we're looking at you and if we think that you're not obeying the rules that you're that you're not giving the investors in your companies enough money or enough information about your valuation and how you arrived at it you're going to get in trouble uh, and that and the, and that's believe me I've talked to a lot of people in silicon valley this is not really on their radar screen. They're no. they're not aware that they face legal liability for. I mean, I've had people say to me, "What do you mean insider trading in non-public shares? We're all, we're all insiders. All Everybody right. knows everything. You can get in trouble for that." And, and this is real. Is I mean, hey, we we've, we've covered this in the journal where we've written about. Well, anyway, I mean, we've written about how private companies give well, basically right phony projections of their revenues and things, and no one holds them accountable. And the S and and so I think John is absolutely right. The SEC is saying, you guys are accountable for this stuff. All right. Let's take a break. We might actually just pick this up on the second half because you guys are, are, are fired up about it. All right. We'll be back in a second. I'm Veronica Dagger. Do you want to know how the rich invest, spend, and protect their money? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Food Fight. Hey, folks out there, for more podcasts, WSJ Podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. You can become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. And you can follow us on Twitter, at WSJ Podcasts. Uh, gentlemen, you're tell us, I had to cut you off there. You were really getting going. You know, I didn't want to... Do it, but I had to because we had to take that break. Can I, but, can I brag listen, for a second? Guys can wanna... I brag for a second? Brag. So, so in, in this speech... Mary Jo White references uh, some 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 news uh, news stories. You're to, footnoted to, twice. <laughs> yep. Twice I'm footnoted. I was stories I was that impressed. you wrote. Yeah. What were the yeah. stories? What were they? There was one about um, uh, about the the thing that John mentioned, which is like employees uh, owning shares of these private companies and trying to find liquidity. The other was that it was a story about how basically whenever these companies go public, they their valuations 
pretty much as a rule now turn out to be overblown. And this is the <laughs> series that you won an award for, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Wow, yeah, there yeah. you go. Part of our private risk series. Is that a, uh, is that a humble WSJ. brag? WSJ.com slash private risk. <laughs> not sure there's a, much A vanity humble. URL. It doesn't uh, sound like a humble brag. Not, not much humble. It sounds like a brag. I'm just throwing it out there. Hey, you know, you get... You you wind up in the footnotes of the head of the FCC speech. I think you should you know you're entitled to brag. That's, you know what I'm I'm a I'm a footnote to a uh, to an asterisk of history, and I think that <laughs> that's pretty cool. I made it in Wikipedia footnotes. Nice, you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. I, right, I actually I this food fight's going in directions I did not anticipate. <laughs> right. but now I, now I'm interested. What, what? I know what I I'm doing after remember. this. I'm deleting it was, it was some that. Deal I can't story. remember. It was some deal story. It was about a deal. My um, that was less than that was less impressive than no. Talos's. I, I was, I was, I was much meaning, less impressive. I was meaning it to, for it to be less impressive. You I, I once had a Wikipedia page about me, and Ooh. then it got removed because I was not notable enough. <laughs> and so, you know, I, you know, that was a little bit humbling. You know, that you're you're just not famous enough to be. I don't know. I just sat and listened to Paul Vigna promote podcasts, and he never said one thing about the fact that I do an hour podcast every day. Oh, oh, oh man. You know, I, I promoted go ahead, Chuck, go ahead. on my show this morning. D- so. Chuck, Chuck, along with promoting your, your <laughs> side job uh, announcing minor league lacrosse games, go ahead, tell hey, us about— Wait, 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 wait. Tell, me you, didn't see, tell <laughs> me you didn't see the hit this week. It was all over every place. The goalie coming out with the big crushing hit this week. It's all over ESPN. I it didn't. was all over every I place. It. I missed it. Now, you're I was, not looking at I was, I was busy prepping for my Walking Dead weekend, so I didn't have time for, for that one. There Anybody else go. got any, any side projects? Any side projects? <laughs> Anyone else got Johnny, you in a band? Well, you know? John, John Carney has had a side project of reading every single one of uh, Paul's uh, Walking Dead recaps for the last however this many true. years. All, I was very I impressed by I went through the that, entire Carney. thing. It kept me up, you know, very late. Um, I, these, if, if the listeners don't know, uh, you know, Paul has been writing uh, recaps of The Walking Dead, and they're very good. I, I, it made me relive some of my favorite episodes. I'm a fan of the show. Um, you maybe my recommendation would be don't read them just quite yet, but use them to like get you through the the you know between between season slump, and you you know and you can have all those good memories. Uh, they're they're really good. Hey, and, and, and folks, this podcast is going way off the rails. <laughs> but you know, whatever. Listen, every once in a while, we got to give you folks a, a little insight into what we do during the day when we're not busy breaking stories and getting awards and getting our names on Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> how did you? How did you find out that you didn't even realize that I did those? Did you? No, I, I did. You I, just randomly come across it. I did it? not. No, I was looking for. I was. I was googling uh, a you know somebody to trying to find out something about the upcoming season finale. And uh, and then I said, so whoa, hey, this is I know cool. that guy. Yeah, that's cool. I what know, a, that's what I a small world. Two people who work in Midtown-based financial media, <laughs> discovering each other and sharing Sitting, interests. Who sits three feet away <laughs> from each other? Kismet, kismet. It's a beautiful story. Uh, let, let listen. Let's talk quickly about an actual news story. Let's talk about this this crazy Marriott Starwood Star Wars Starwood Hotels deal. Uh, Chinese insurance company Anbang comes in. Uh, Total, you know, bidding war between them and Marriott for Star Wood. I keep saying Star Wars, uh, Star Wood. And then Anbang. Is it Anbang? Anbang. Uh, from Jersey, I'd say Anbang. Uh, that's how I pronounce Anbang. it. The first time we brought it up on the podcast, that's yeah. how I pronounced it the whole right, time. Right, right, right. It's wrong. Uh, they, they come in, drive up the price, and then drop out. 
It's, uh, this is very mysterious. Um, their explanation for why they backed out right. was a total non-explanation. Yeah, they didn't they, explain it they really said at all. Various, they, they had decided to, no, to withdraw their bid due to various market factors. Yeah. Which is, you know, what happened that you had financing a couple days right. ago and then you're, no, and you're, you're, you're bidding it up, bidding it up, and then suddenly you don't? I mean – so what's the speculation as to what the real reason is? Well, I mean, the, I think the, the, there's the funding of it. I mean, like you know, they bought a lot. They've spent. They you know, they bought the Waldorf Astoria. They were but buying why, the Blackstone, and their ownership is fairly opaque, as we wrote about in you know profile of them earlier this week. So maybe the Chinese opaque is putting it politely. Yeah, maybe you know the, the ownership of you know the company uh, in the, or in the, you know which is thought to have included one of the 30 owners include a lot of uh you know some, some portion probably you know uh, officials in the Chinese right, government and stuff right. like that. Um you know we're like no we you know we don't want uh, they decided this deal the, to go uh, through. The synergies between insurance and uh, luxury hotels was not. Well, they were going to be the. They were going to be the new Ber- uh, Berkshire. It, right? They're going to be the new Berkshire. You, you know, using the insurance money you make from the insurance invested in U.S. hotels. But even that, you know, oh well, you know, they the, the money dried up. What's really confusing is what the decision making process right. here is. Right? How yeah. did you think you had the funding? Uh, you know, at one point, and then suddenly, it's not like they got outbid, right? We need to be clear about what right. no, they happened. were. They were ahead. They yeah. were ahead. And then most people and then they, thought that they... Marriott wasn't going to be coming back with, I think, a right. higher offer either. And um, you know, I think that's got to be troubling to, and you know, the, this is going to have repercussions down the road. Now, and and you can be well, accused of it... manipulating the market by doing that, right? Like I've... if you if you knew that you didn't have the funding and you were making this bid, you, I mean, that's 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 plain. That's you know, pure and simple market manipulation. And Starwood basically came out and said, you know, okay, well, we're pretty much going to go back to the Marriott bid. If I'm Marriott, oh yeah, that bid doesn't exist anymore. There's $400 million coming to me as a result of the fee, and now we'll talk about what we're going to bid next. And, yeah, and, and let's be clear, Marriott shareholders seem to want <laughs> Marriott to walk away with that yeah. $400 million. Absolutely. Because the shares are down. And, you know, if I'm married, I think I would do that and go back to my previous bid. Right. I mean, and see if, you know, An Bong wants to come back or another one. Well, if that, remember the back. previous bid, you know, you now know that, that, that the other big bidder is not out there. So um, what do you do, right? You might not even just go back to your previous bid. You, you could bid even lower because you're not worried about somebody else coming right. in and bidding more for it. The re- Who was it? Hyatt was Hyatt the one that was involved before? I'm not sure. I Marriott think so. was in a, think, a bidding I think, war. I do with... believe it was. I believe Hyatt was yeah. exploring that deal. I mean, I think the other thing going forward is next Friday. Um, you know, Starwood and Marriott shareholders are going to be you know voting on this deal. Uh, you know, our Marriott shareholders going to support it. Um, you know, right. anal- You know, one a J.P. Morgan analyst was out today suggesting, you know, that there's concern they might not, but another analyst was out saying that you know he thinks they will. And, I, and Paulson and and John Paulson, who's an investor, said he would support this. And I think this shows too that in in terms of M and A, both and, and China having more of an international presence in you know, it shows that both Chinese companies themselves and investors, there's still a feeling out process that has to be done here because. You're right, Carney. I mean, this is a very odd thing for a company to do within a week to make that big deal and then turn around and walk away from it. And it, can you really trust 
everything you hear out of a Chinese company. Well, uh, it's it's it, a question. No, it has it, to be a I question. Think, I think this would have been the biggest deal, I right? This would have been the biggest, the biggest deal in the from US a Chinese company to the in the US, US. Yeah, right? Of a US thing. And I think you're right. It raises questions because immediately, like, the concern with Anbang when they're making this deal is CFIUS. Okay, are they politically, are they going to be able to get this right. through? And now you're taking this point, like on a big deal, uh, you know, a Chinese company bid and then walked away. Is that going to, for the next time this happens, is the tar- U.S. target going to say, no, we're going to go with the buyer that we know will complete the deal? Right, right. All right, uh, let's leave it there because we all we all have to run here. Everyone, uh, thank you for listening. Have a good weekend, and we will talk to you next week.